HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This piece was brought to you by Roberta's, robertaspizza.com. Welcome to HR and Happy Hour. It's five o'clock somewhere, and somewhere is Bushwick. I'm Kat Johnson, HRN's Communications Director, here with my lovely co-host, Katie Mosman-Wadler. Hey, Kat. Hello. Happy Thursday-ish. Happy Thursday. Hannah is away this week. Don't worry. She'll be back next week. And um, today we're excited to have some fabulous guests in the studio with us. If you've been listening closely to HRN in the last couple of months, you might have heard our guest talking about her latest cookbook project on A Taste of the Past, maybe a couple of other shows. We'll find out where she's been. Um, welcome to Katie Parla, a Rome-based food and beverage educator and journalist whose latest book is Food of the Italian South. Welcome, Katie. Hi, Kat. Hi, Katie. What's up? <laughs> Hi, Katie. We're Lots gonna of Katie. It's going to be not confusing at all today with Kat, Katie, and Katie. Don't Big worry about Big alliteration it. fan over here, so I'm appreciating this synergy. <laughs> We're really vibing on this on our first name basis today. And uh, just to mix things up, we have a, a not a cat or Katie in the studio as well. We have a Lizzie in the studio. Lizzie Welcome. Newton, everybody. Hi, what's up? She's been on HR and Happy Hour before uh, in her former life with uh, Care of Chan. So if, you, if you're if you a regular listener, you've, you've met Lizzie you before. Yeah, you remember. Yeah, you remember. to fame. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so... We're going to chat with Katie in a bit about um, her cookbook, as well as um, the three-part tour she's been embarking on uh, to promote it, as well as um, what's coming up next. I got a little teaser of what she's working on next, and it's very exciting. Um, But let's quickly recap a couple things that have been going on. Um, Slow Food Nations happened last week. We were... Was that just last week? Or two weeks ago? It was... No, we, like, just got back. Yeah, and... one week ago... Today, we were trying our best to get back from Syracuse. Thanks, Delta. Thank you, Delta. Thank you for putting us in Syracuse, where we did not ask to go. Mm. But we made it. So we've been back for a week from Slow Food Nations. The festival was awesome. Yeah. We got a lot done. We had a ton of events for HRN. Yeah. And um, if you were following our emails, you saw that we had... Gosh, we threw a dinner party at Safta with the new food economy to launch our new collaboration, The Digest, which was rad. Um, what did we do on Friday? Oh, Friday, uh, we had the Leader Summit. I moderated a panel. Dana did the keynote. Um, and then we did two full days of live broadcasting, followed by an industry after party on Sunday night. So we were go, go, go 
uh, but it was amazing. So fun. We were just talking about pizza before we started the show. There was a lot of pizza at Slow Food. There was pizza both Saturday and Sunday. Um, oh, like an oven was on the street. People could eat pizza. And then our industry after party was at Cart Driver in Denver, which has awesome pizza as well. And lots of tinned fish. Their clam pie is excellent. Shout out to Cart Driver. Thanks, Cart Driver. That was so awesome. Yeah. We had an amazing time. They were the best hosts. And uh, also just like a beautiful space and a really amazing live jazz band to just add that little extra touch to the evening. Excellent way to wind down. Um, also, so today is August 1st. So our summer membership drive is now over. We want to thank everyone who became a member of HRN um, in June and July. Thanks again to um, big supporters, Phil Rosenthal and Gary V, who gave us excellent charity buzz auction items. It helped us raise money this summer. Um, it's been, I think, one for the record books. And if you got a little pang in your heart where Kat just said that it's the end of the drive. Don't worry. You can still become a member, guys. It's just the end of the time where we ask you 70,000 million <laughs> times a day to become one but um if if that little bit of guilt is still sort of lingering with you it's not too late you can go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate but we are going to take a break from bombarding you until november yeah um okay so those are our announcements now we have a couple of uh quick headlines we want to share um based on our newsletter from last week our excellent excellent hosts i don't know if they meant to do this but they all very thematically did shows around how to navigate beverage menus, which was excellent. So we have some uh, recommendations for you. Yes. So if you should re just read that newsletter because it's great. But if you have ever felt overwhelmed by an extensive beverage menu, we have some of these episodes that are going to really help demystify not only wine, but beer, spirits, and zero-proof cocktails. You can start with Natural Disasters, episode 28, where Marissa and Adam share tips for navigating a hefty wine list. Um, advice on when to send wine back. This is definitely something that we've all probably wondered at one time or another. And a lesson on tipping sufficiently. I hope you're all doing that. Plus, dive into natural wine even further with episode 59 of Inside Julia's Kitchen, where Todd Shulkin speaks with natural wine proponent and award-winning author Alice Firing about her new book, Natural Wine for the People. So beer menus at restaurants can be just as lengthy as wine lists oftentimes. Beer menus is a handy app that helps you find new brews and track the ones you've tried so far. Gage Siegel of Beer Menus is one of Jimmy Carbone's guests on Beer Sessions Radio episode 490. And of course, we can't forget about cocktails. Amanda Elder, who helped design Pouring Ribbon's epic thematic menu structure, joined Souther Teague on episode 341 at the Speakeasy. And finally, to better understand the rise of non-alcoholic cocktails on beverage menus, tune into episode 106 of Speaking Broadly. Dana welcomes the wonderful Julia Bainbridge, who's currently working on a book about zero-proof drinks. So... Get on that list. And this is your summer listening list. Extra shout out to Pouring Ribbons. Um, probably the saddest thing for me about leaving Avenue C is that I've been within a block of Pouring Ribbons for the last five years. And it's just an incredible cocktail bar where we spend way too much time. And uh, you should, too. Check it out yeah. if you haven't been. Um, all right. So, Katie Parla. Katie, you have been touring around a lot for your latest book, Food of the um, Italian South. You definitely went on A Taste of the Past. Have there been any other HRN shows you've been on lately to talk about the book? For this book, no. But 
for the past, I would say like five or six years, I've been a guest on many, many shows and you guys do such an incredible job and just listening to the wine menu and beer menu highlights real. Did you say 490 episodes? Beer sessions yeah. is up to that many. Yeah. I am shocked. That <laughs> is Jimmy's amazing. Jimmy's been going for Prolific. almost 10 years. He's That's one of the OGs. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't been on the show in like probably eight years, but uh, well, it makes sense if you do math in your head and figure out how many weeks oh, are yeah. in, in a year. That's uh, I'll, I'll hit up Jimmy <laughs> and uh, we'll have you back on yeah. for uh, another episode of Beer Sessions Radio. Because, we got to get uh, the Katie Parlow like greatest hits of, on HRN. Seriously. We got to see how many shows you've been on. Let's do it. Yeah. We should also like there should be somewhere uh, like the what do you call that? Like the pegboard to see like who can cover every show first. Because I don't know if we've had somebody yet who's been on every single show. That's like not like I like, I, I might active. come close, yeah. but like that that doesn't work here. Yeah, um, I like that idea. It's like an Epcot yeah. passport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love a challenge like that. It's just uh, Harry told me about this. Uh, it's a stamp rally. I love it. In Japan. I love it. Yeah. So we got to do the HRN stamp rally for Katie. Because so not, you can win. Not just anyone could go on like every show. You no. know, you have to be able to. And I think Katie is one person that could do that because I think within your work and your scope of what you cover, like you can talk about beer, you can talk about wine. Um, Japan eats might be a little bit more difficult, but there's probably a way there's to like do a it. There's like a pizza thing there. I yeah, live in the pizza true. capital. I've been to Japan to eat pizza. Okay. Easy. Check. <laughs> Check. <laughs> we'll you talk play to any music? Kid. No. Okay, so musical. Snacky Tunes, Snacky Tunes could be tougher. Well, I've been on Katie's Snacky gonna, Tunes. She's gonna, yeah, she's she nailed it. Already been on Snacky <laughs> Tunes. Amazing. <laughs> nice try, Matt. Uh, this is a yeah, fun game. So Katie's a true Renaissance woman, which is Ooh. what it takes. I just love to be on every so show. So many things, so much, <laughs> and then I write about them. It's really fun. Um, for that. So you haven't been on HR and Happy Hour before, though. So let's give sort of the digest Katie Parla story. Uh, you live in Rome, but you're from New Jersey. What what was that journey like? What made you decide, I'm moving to Rome? I was always really interested in history. So when I visited Italy for the first time in high school, I was like, oh, this is where I could live and like do history full time when I grew up. So after high school and college, I moved to Rome. That was 16 years ago. And although like my original path was more art history and archeology span based, I started doing food and wine stuff, um, as almost as soon as I moved there. So I realized you could be a professional pizza eater, which I, you know, had always dreamed of becoming. And now it's a reality. Can, can, can you we, did it. Can we send the link in the show notes to the SNL clip that we were just watching? Oh, I hope Katie's seen that. Have uh, you seen the professional pizza eater with Melissa McCarthy no. on SNL? Oh, okay, guys. She goes, she goes to get a bank loan and she's like, it's a pizza business. And the banker's like, that's not. Well, he's like, I don't know. It doesn't seem like you have a good business plan. And she was like, no, my plan is I'm going to eat pizza. If you have leftover pizza, I'll eat it. It's a pizza eating business. Pizza eating business. Yes. It's fantastic. We're going to put that in the show notes. Don't worry. <laughs> Required watching. We got you. We got you. Um, but Katie, I think I've met uh, so many people who remember what their life goals were in high school, but I don't know if I've ever met anybody who had like a specific place that they wanted to go and something they wanted to do who actually did it. That's really awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think Rome was a place that I in immediately responded to, even though I was on this like crazy bus tour and we were in Rome, you know, just overnight. And we stayed in like the worst possible neighborhood that didn't have any postcard charm to it. I was like, this place is weird. It's so cool. And the forum's there, but like we're in this strange, like decrepit, collapsing district. Like I need to live here. Um, yeah. And I just never had like a backup plan. So I stuck to it. 
So now you have this website that's an excellent resource for anyone who's traveling to Rome or, or, or Italy as a whole. You have some other travel guides as well. But looking back kind of at the first few times that you visited um, before you lived there and thinking about people maybe going for the first time, what are some do's and don'ts um, that you like to recommend time and time again? So although I think being spontaneous when you travel has immense value, I would say do plan some of your meals because you can eat really badly in Rome if you don't plan in advance. Um, And also remember that you don't have to spend a lot of money to have really, really delicious quality food. So don't plan all your meals at restaurants. Know that Romans eat a lot of fast food, and that doesn't mean exclusively McDonald's and Subway, which are actually very popular in Italy, but more like pizza by the slice, um, all sorts of little takeaway things, fried rice croquettes. Um, there's a lot of fried deliciousness to be had if you know where to look for it. Yeah. Um, so tell us about the latest book, Food of the Italian South. It's it's, a, it's not Rome. It's not Rome, but it's south of Rome, which is like Rome adjacent. And <laughs> if you hop on an hour long train to Naples, you're in the gateway to the south. And the cookbook was meant to be a sort of crash course in the cuisine and culture of five regions, Campania, Molise, Basilicata, Puglia, and Calabria. They're places that most of the 4 million Italian American uh, migrants departed from um, at the turn of the 20th century. Now there's something like 14 million Italian Americans um, in in the U.S. alone, and so it's this place that, you know, I as a Jersey Italian American had a connection to theoretically, but didn't really know until I moved to Italy. So I wanted to share it with people, and it's 85 recipes, lots of features, and it's meant to entice you to cook delicious things from those regions, and hopefully travel to those places as well. Um, did you learn some stuff about your own family history in writing the book? Yeah, I mean, we learned that we're not from Naples at all, even though everyone for, you know, the entirety of our family's oral history had said, like, we're from Naples and don't ask any more questions. Um, With actually not that much investigation, (laughs) we discovered we're from around 250 kilometers away in a totally separate region, Basilicata, a really rural place, super poor and very sparsely populated. And um, I think a lot of a lot of people who have done some preliminary research on their actual origins have found they're not from the port that's listed on immigration documents. They're from a village, someplace usually deep in the Apennines um, that uh, is now mostly depleted of people because of not just the turn of the 20th century immigration, but also uh, the 1960s, um, the post 2009 financial crisis, the sort of migration waves continue. Did you grow up eating a lot of like New Jersey, Italian American cuisine. Oh yeah. And when I got to Italy, I was like, where's the clams casino again? Like, (laughs) can I get my chicken parm or what? Um, and realized, you know, pretty early on that Italian American cuisine is unique and has certainly evolved with in some sense from Southern Italian cuisines, but really is the product, not just of Southern Italians cooking their food, but really adapting it to the people who could afford to go out to restaurants when Italian immigrants were opening places. So like people from uh, Scotland and England and Germany, they were cooking for people with much different palates than those in the Southern Mediterranean. So the, you know, the Italian American food that I eat is definitely not, it doesn't resemble Italian food to me at all. One thing that I just remembered about something Paolo de Croce from Slow Food International said at um, the keynote was that everyone thinks of the quintessential Italian dish being pasta with tomato 
like spaghetti and tomato. And he's like, but neither of those things are really that Italian if you think about it. Because pasta is not originally from Italy. Tomatoes aren't originally from Italy. In your mind, what would be like a quintessential Italian dish? Well, I mean, I would say one could argue that pasta is in fact Italian. Although the Greeks were making pasta and when in doubt, like it was done in Mesopotamia way before it was done in Europe. Um, But in fact, tomatoes are not Italian, nor are most of the things you encounter in Italy. Peppers, zucchini, eggplants, artichokes. Um, so for me in, you know, 21st century Italy, like spaghetti al pomodoro is the classic Italian dish because it's something that everyone in all the disparate regions can enjoy. But if we're just sticking to things that are indigenous, maybe like a sliced bulb of fennel, because Mm -hmm. that would have been growing spontaneously (laughs) in the Italian peninsula and the islands way before there were waves of migration that brought and conquest for that matter, that brought a huge litany of quote-unquote, foreign ingredients. Now, you can hardly imagine Italian cuisine without eggplants or um, citrus or um, or tomatoes or potatoes, but all of those things are imports from somewhere else. Can you talk about, you know, Italy is a relatively new country, kind of as a unit, and um, when you go there, the regionality is very, very, like, well-defined and precise, and you can definitely tell when you move kind of across a border from one region to another, especially by the food. Um, Can you talk about, like, some of those kind of food borders um, and maybe specifically within uh, the five regions that you covered in Food of the Italian South? Definitely. I mean, as soon as you head south of Rome, once you hit, um, you know, maybe 50 or 60 kilometers south of Rome, you enter a place that was under Spanish dominion with Campania, Basilicata, the places that I mentioned earlier, as well as Sicily. So those whole areas were under Spanish uh, dominion until 1861. So their languages, their dialects, um, and their cuisines have a lot more in common with one another than they do with Rome or Bologna or Turin, uh, which were all under different uh, either occupiers or uh, or monarchies um, or lo- even local governors. Um, the South has literally thousands of food cultures because the geographic isolation of villages in the Apennines created cuisines that are much different than coastal areas. Um, but the South, you know, the lower peninsula has a lot in common because of that Spanish presence. And before that Arab presence and before that Roman presence before that Greek. So the Greeks introduced grapes and olives and Arab conquerors introduced eggplants and, um, citrus. And then you had the new world, produce, potatoes, and various types of corn, some legumes, prickly pears, uh, and all that stuff. So, you know, tomatoes climb up the peninsula later and sort of become the iconic Italian ingredient, but they really do define a lot of the cuisines of of the South. Um, And I would say, even though I've done, you know, 16 plus years of research in the South, I haven't discovered everything yet. So, um, you know, I can comment on, you know, how different Bari's cuisine is from Naples cuisine, but head to Bari and visit, you know, 20 villages in the environs and you're going to find variations on, uh, the way that focaccia is made or the way that pasta is shaped. And I think that sort of endless set of permutations that creates the, the varied cuisines down there is just like the most amazing thing ever. I think I was just telling you that I, a few weeks ago was visiting Tuscany with some family. And I think that, I don't know if it's the movie or what it is about. It's in our imagination that Tuscany is like this ideal place to visit in Italy. The movie being under the Tuscan Tuscan sun. sun. 
Of course. Which I think that the town, yeah, the town we were staying in was actually the Cortona. town in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yes, Cortona. Um, you know, I had been to Florence before. I would love to go see other parts of Italy. What would be your recommendations for someone who has maybe done Rome, done Florence, done Tuscany? What's another place you should go visit for delicious food, beautiful scenery, maybe, you know, to, to meet interesting and new people in Italy? I mean, for sure, Campania feels like the natural next step. Naples was one of the richest and most populated cities in the world, even though it has suffered some neglect. You still get the sense of how just majestic the city would have been. The greatest archaeological museum perhaps in the world is in Naples. Uh, there's really amazing pizza at places like Da Atilio um, and all sorts of like great atmosphere and energy. So I always say like go to Naples and then skip the Amalfi Coast because that's where everyone else is and skip Capri, go to Prochita, this little island in the bay instead. And because you're skipping the Amalfi Coast, but you probably want to like go for a swim and eat some fish, go to Chilento, um, which is just south of the Amalfi Coast. But to get there, you've got to drive through these formerly malarial marshes that have now been drained. But that's where b- water buffalo um, thrive and graze. And there's this wonderful place called Vanulo. It makes buffalo mozzarella. It is so good. You're nodding with (laughs) recognition. They Um, like (laughs) feed the cows like beautiful herbs and flowers in the meadow. I'm sorry, I just said cows, but the water buffalo ladies. They eat a really varied diet, lots of herbs and all sorts of things that are grown on the farm and they self-regulate their massage and shower schedule and they're Mm -hmm. super happy. They have these like car wash brushes that Mm -hmm. are the massagers. What a life. They line up, they like wait in a line and then they walk like one by one and they get their little massage and then they step Uh, aside and the next one will walk up and get her (laughs) massage and when you sort of observe at vanulo there's this like little place where you can perch and watch them um they have personalities they're really super sensitive animals so when you see them like seeking like seeking comfort and tending to their needs it's like the most beautiful thing and then that makes the buffalo mozzarella objectively more delicious because Mm -hmm. stressed buffalo make milk that just simply doesn't taste as good as happy buffalo milk mm-hmm. um, also you can get buffalo yogurt and buffalo ice cream gelato oh yes. there oh so many things it's great but I yeah just like just hungry. going a little bit off the off the well-trodden tourist itinerary um offers you i mean some structured things people are really i think intimidated by just like winging it but going to the south gives you a lot of opportunities to have like a true adventure um which you can sort of nest destinations and places that might have some online information uh regarding where to stay and what to eat and go to kaylee katie parla's website true to get some tips on this stuff absolutely um so as we mentioned you're on like the third leg of sort of your north american cookbook tour so tell us a little bit about as this book's coming out and you're starting to think about where am i going to tour what events am i going to do how does that all come together because when i looked um this would have been in march um, March, yes. April, when you first, it first came out, you had something literally every single day. Yes. That was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, I learned a lot touring tasting Rome, my previous cookbook. And then I immediately forgot what I had learned, which is do not book, you know, a uh, 10, don't book 10 cities on 10 in 10 days. It's like a terrible idea. Um, But also I learned that momentum is really important and 
you know, if I have two days between events, I'm not going to be less tired <laughs> than if I have <laughs> 10 hours. Um, so yeah, like the three phase tour, um, was, you know, partially planned by me. Um, Lizzie, who's sitting to my left under a very jaunty looking boar's head, um, has also been critical in, in planning events. I'm more of like plan a restaurant takeover and, you know, Lizzie's talent is finding interesting opportunities that go outside of the sort of classic book tour event that, that I'm so comfortable with. Um, which is so fun. Like to, you know, yesterday I was at the wing with Missy Robbins and we talked about Italy and it was amazing. And that's not, you know, something I never would have known because I live in Italy and just learned what the wing is. So that's kind of fun information. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's about balancing like selling books, which is what I would love to do so that I can continue to write more books and research more books, but then also having experiences that benefit people so that they have the tools that they need to cook and get enthusiastic about the dishes and then go travel for themselves, hopefully. Yeah. Katie, you must have a lot of people who come to you and ask how they can have your life because you do have, uh, I think, a lot of people's like definition dream job, um, which is like professional pizza eater, live in Italy, uh, research amazing food, write about it. Um, do you Do you get a lot of those requests and do you give out advice on sort of how to do what you do? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that it might seem like very glamorous to travel around and eat pizza all the time. It is actually extremely glamorous. <laughs> um, no, just kidding. I have to wear like striped things and like plaid things to, to hide the food stains. It's not that glamorous. Believe the hype. <laughs> Believe the hype. Um, but yeah, people ask me all the time and I can only give advice based on my experience. My uh, advice is always like get an education. Like I have credibility because I did my master's in Italian gastronomic culture. Everyone can go to Italy and say that they're an expert because they eat food and that mm -hmm. doesn't make them an expert. And I think it's really, really important to have that foundation because it's not just, you know, important for personal edification, but it's also more respectful to the people that you're researching. If you have a knowledge base, um, and find alternative revenue streams. Um, so, you know, the food of the Italian South tour, uh, has 30 events that are sponsored by a pasta company, Pasta Feature Di Martino. Um, and before that economic necessity, I always, you know, self-funded all of my touring and always paid for every meal, never went on a press trip. And I continue to, you know, f pay for those, for those things. I think it's really important as a journalist to be above reproach, um, and to refuse offers for free or discounted services. Uh, I think that's, that's really essential. And it's, you know, I'm not a trained journalist. Um, I don't think I'm like a particularly great writer, but I can have pitches accepted because I have that authority and that credibility and really the sort of lack of contamination when it comes to covering places. Mm -hmm. And are those revenue streams also like, obviously the books, um, are well, I always joke, writing cookbooks makes me very poor. Um, so, so what, like, how do you do it? <laughs> how do I do it? Yeah. I give private tours. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so since 2003, when I moved to Rome, I've given private tours of the city, um, maximum six people, but usually just, like, couples or families. Um, and they're three hours um, or six hours, and we go into pizzerias and restaurants and markets, and we discuss Roman food culture, and they're kind of, like, academically focused um, but that, you know, that has been an absolutely essential, really the only way that I could fund my freelance writing profession. 
um, I can't imagine being able to do the volume of writing that I do and not having that revenue stream to, to sort of balance it out. Mm -hmm. Well, I I was going to say you should put in a plug for how people can find you for those tours. Oh, katieparla.com. And that's where you can also find lots of free travel resources, not just where to eat in Rome, but where to eat in Naples, how to get from Rome to Naples on a cool car trip, how to travel Puglia, how to eat pizza in Japan, um, and all sorts of Italy and non Italy related free tidbits. It's free, but you should really do the tour with Kate. Oh, yeah. Like, seriously. Tour. Yeah, it will be so <laughs> much better book. if you go on the tour. <laughs> and buy the book. Um, well, let's take a quick break, and then when we come back, here's the teaser. Kate's going to talk about her next project. Oh, yeah. Be right da, back. Da, da. Super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. Thank you, Roberta's. Okay, we're back with Katie Parla, the author of Food of the Italian South. Make sure you get that book. It's beautiful. We were just talking about water buffaloes a moment ago. There are some photos of the water buffaloes in the book, right? Correct. They're just the cutest. Majestic. Mm. The cutest. Um, Okay, so we were talking before the show about the next book you have coming up. Tell us about it and what you're going to do first to kick off your research. So the next cookbook is Food of the Italian Islands. So, yes, not just Sicily and Sardinia, which are very large islands, but smaller ones like Procida off the coast of Naples, Ponza off the coast of Lazio, where Rome is, um, Pantelleria, Lampedusa, Stromboli, Sicilian islands. I mean, the list goes on. Um, And what I'm so excited about is dispelling the notion that island food is all about fish. There's so many herbs. There's so much... um, vegetal produce and legumes and it's just it's they're all delicious destinations that do have of course differences because they're islands therefore isolated um but do have a lot of like fragrance fragrances is that a word i'm doubting myself sometimes uh fragrances uh in common and and just sort of like a really a dedication to the earth as much as uh to the sea are most or all of these islands places you've already been before some of them are, but I've never been to Elba or Giglio, both off the coast of Tuscany. Um, and some of the smaller islands off the coast of Sicily I've never been to. So I've got to hit those up because they tend to shutter October 1st. So I'm going to be hustling oh. to visit those. But then I'll go back if, you know, flights and ferries continue to run in the winter. I'll go and take peaks to see how things develop in a different season. How are you as a boat traveler? Not great. 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to the transport part. Oh, no. Yeah, I, I, I had a really bad poor ride. Awful. <laughs> um, <laughs> will you also cover some of the touristy islands? Like, will you cover Capri and Caprese and Giant Lemons? I'm thinking about doing uh, the Caprese salad, mm-hmm. but only because I want to have, like, a sort of instructional thing on how to make mozzarella with fresh curds. And there's this awesome Lancaster or Pennsylvania-based company called Caputo, um, not to be confused with the flour company, but they sell mozzarella curds. They like st- you, you can freeze them. They stay up to mm-hmm. a year, and I think it'd be really fun to have that because I think everyone sort of expects Capri to be in the mix, even though I absolutely hate the island and never want to go there. I got, I got a sense from <laughs> earlier that you had uh, not yeah. like strong desires to spend time there. No, I'm the worst person. I hate the Amalfi Coast, <laughs> um, and Capri's stupid. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just a cynical asshole, but that's fine. <laughs> uh, everyone already knew that if they've listened to my other appearances on Heritage Radio Network. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there are some cool things that don't make it onto most menus and I plan to investigate those. And I think I'll probably put in some like herbaceous digestivi inspired by Mm. Capri's herbs. Um, because I don't want to be a total hater and and Capri is an important Island. You know, it's not its fault that it was developed exclusively for Anglophone travelers in the 1960s. Believe it or not. Yeah, um, it can't help it. It can't, it can't help who's walking on it. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm curious, and and maybe this is something that you haven't really found out yet. But like, what the kind of balance between highly touristy places versus the like real local, maybe off season vibe of an island will be? Like, are you going to try to balance those two things? Or I don't think so. And I didn't try to do it really for food of the Italian South um, or for tasting Rome. What I think is the most important thing is to provide people with with recipes that they're really going to cook at home regardless of where they come from. So if I find something in Capri that I'm really enthusiastic about that I think people will benefit from, then it'll go in the book. But I, I just know from, you know, my visits to Procida and Ponza and uh, Lipari and all these like crazy beautiful islands, there's so much to share. Not to mention like Sicily and Sardinia as a whole, plus like Carlo Forte, La Maddalena, all these cool places. Like there's so much awesome stuff that hasn't been shared. Mm -hmm. And the world does not need like another caprese recipe, honestly, <laughs> unless it has that sort of additional step right. in the mix. Also um, like, do, do you really need a recipe? No, there's four things. Well, I think I just would have like a head note that says, don't put balsamic on this. Yes. Thank you. Uh, Great. That's Great. from a different region. Yeah. Leave it. Oh, leave it far away. PSA from <laughs> Katie. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I am like a little hung up on, on this idea of keeping curds in the freezer and just like having Smart. fresh mozzarella whenever. Yeah. It seems like a really great it's idea. It's really hot when you have to like put your hands in the hot water and like, like pull them and make oh. mozzarella. It hurts really badly. Yeah. But it's kind of worth it. Yeah. I, I do think of when I think of like the Amalfi Coast and, and seafood, I think of just like simple anchovies with some lemon. Oh, yeah. Um, what are some other things similar to that that you think... If, if we are talking about the seafood side, what are some things of the islands that you think might be going in the book? I mean, I really want uh, spaghetti alle vongole with botarga. Mm. So mm. like cured mullet roe, shaved or grated over steaming spaghetti with clams. That's like one of my favorite things. And it's a classic Sardinian uh, dish. Um, I really want there to be like a picnic section because so much of the food that people eat on islands is stuff that they like batch prepare and then slice their like herb frittata, stuff it into a sandwich, take it to the beach and um, like different seafood pastas with or without tomato that are just like such island lunch food um, eaten room temperature. And I want people to take that sort of spirit 
um, and head to like, I don't know, Fort Tilden or, or yeah. down the Jersey shore, um, or wherever your beach destination may be. I'm hungry. <laughs> Me too. And I'm ready for the beach. Same. Um, I also was just curious talking about New Jersey and like how you grew up. Are you ever, do you ever think about doing a book that focuses more on like the Italian U.S. connection? Yeah, I'm really fascinated by the way that restaurants, Italian and otherwise, um, owned by immigrants have to adapt um, in order to survive. I think that's super fascinating. And my area of expertise is, is Italy and New Jersey. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's sort of natural that those things would, uh, would collide. Um, and I'm also very fascinated at, uh, about pizza and the way that manifests. Like I'm from near Trenton. There's a whole Trenton style of pizza. Meanwhile, up in Jersey city, you've got geniuses, um, like, uh, Dan Richer and Rick Easton doing really cool stuff that is decidedly not Italian. Yeah. We need to introduce you to our friends, Luca and Jessica Annunziata in Charlotte. Yeah. Um, Luca is from Italy and Jessica is from, I think New Jersey, yes, yes, Jersey absolutely. shore. And they Love met it. over a summer working at like a red sauce Italian restaurant where he was a cook and she was a waitress. Amazing. And now they're restaurateurs together in Charlotte. And he has just gone back to cooking the traditional Italian food that he grew up with, as opposed to kind of like he had been sort of catering to that like Italian American and like, kind of feeling like he had to go with people's expectations of what would be on the menu. And so he has like recently in the last couple of years kind of broken free. They're opening a new restaurant right now in Charlotte. Um, but it's like this beautiful story. And also the two of them together are just incredibly adorable. And it's also Charlotte, not like New York, which is a whole other animal, I think. Yeah. That's so, that's amazing. Yeah. And I think the product of a lot of, a lot of people like maybe not, working together towards this, but a lot of people raising awareness about Italian regional cuisines, um, whether they're, you know, journalists or cooks, um, or, you know, simply just people who are enthusiastic about Italy, like that message that there is no Italian food, there are Italian regional cuisines. And within that Italian regional concept, there are many other categories. It's Mm -hmm. it's great. It's a wonderful time to cook Italian food. I know that there's time to eat Italian. Absolutely. (laughs) I feel like this, also reminds me that I think there's a similar focus on like China's regions and mm. there seem to be, maybe I'm wrong, but there seem to be a lot more restaurants where you can find specific regional Chinese food. Is there anyone in your mind that's doing a regional Italian cuisine in the States? That's like a example we can hold up. I mean, I think the one that springs to mind is uh, like Maialino mm-hmm. and Marta. They're really focused on, uh, on Rome. Um, You've got Evan Funky, who's not exclusively focused on Emilia-Romagna, but certainly a lot of his fresh pastas are uh, inspired by his uh, time in Bologna. Um, Yeah, there are so many examples of people who are focusing on Liguria or Sicily. Um, Oh, La Chicha, the Sardinian spot in San Francisco is probably the best example of this. They're sort of uncompromising in their devotion to strictly traditional Sardinian things. That's awesome. I'm going to have to look those up specifically. Very good. Yeah. Um, well, I think it might be time for the last segment of our show. Have you been briefed, Katie? No. We're going to play a game of trivia. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm very bad at trivia. Let's do That's it. That's okay. Um, I have not seen the questions because I gave mine to Matt. Great. So I'm on your team. As okay. is Lizzie. Lizzie's on your team. Amazing. <laughs> um, okay. So our trivia theme today is 
without further ado. Italy is often referred to as the boot due to its unique shape. So our trivia today is about boots. <laughs> we is do a version of that show, you. Not My Job. Pull the basket on you. Fucked. <laughs> we got you. We're here for you. I also know nothing about boots. All right. Question number one. It might not be the kind of boots you're thinking of. Question number one. Victoria Christina Hesketh is an English electropop singer-songwriter and DJ with hit songs New in Town and Remedy. What is her stage name? I feel like it has to have a boot in it. You would be right. I feel like I'm the one that's supposed to know this. (laughs) 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 But I don't. Matt, you have the answers, but would you have known the answer to this question? Absolutely not. Never heard this. The answer is Little Boots. Interesting. What? No, never heard of What's them? Electropop? <laughs> I think of Robin when I think of Electropop. Okay. Like right? Robin with a Y? Yeah. From our youth? Yeah, she's back, y'all. Whoa, whoa, whoa. From left. right now. From right are you, now. But, what are you doing? She never went anywhere. But she's, like, been around. She's one of us. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Would I be correct in saying that's Electropop? I think, I think I, it is. I, is yeah, this Gandhi sure. dance music? Yes. Yes. You get a point for that description. <laughs> All right, question number two. Boots Riley is a rapper, educator, oh, sorry, rapper, producer, screenwriter, film director, and activist. His directorial debut, Sorry to Bother You, is about a character named Cassius Green who takes what job at the beginning of the film? Telemarketing. Correct. Nice. Great movie. So good. Question number three. Reader's Digest named Doc Martens one of the 13 iconic shoes that changed America. The famous boot was developed by Dr. Klaus Martens, a German soldier on leave from the battlefield. During the 1960s, the steel-toed versions were banned at what type of event thanks to British hooligans using them as, quote, offensive weapons? Soccer events. Correct. Correct. (laughs) Yes. Question That's number four. Up. Yeah, yeah, it is. They're hooligans. <laughs> punk, punk rock concerts. Yeah. I think me too. I guess they had That's why they're called hooligans. Uh, question number four. What's the name of the cowboy boot and hat wearing breakout rapper who's blending hip hop and country music with his debut record, Old Town Road? Lil Nas X. Yes. Did you know that? I did, but it was on the tip of my okay. tongue. <laughs> And this is the last question and my favorite question. You're doing well, Katie. By far. Um, Also, I just have to say, Little Nas X tweeted something that made me laugh. He said, man, hard to believe that any baby born after March has never lived in a world where Old Town Road isn't number one. (laughs) That's why you were talking about that. Cat was talking about that tweet yesterday. I love it. I love it so much. He's great on Twitter. Um, Last question. Ariana Grande is known for stepping out wearing oversized sweatshirts with over-the-knee boots. According to L.com, what is the home decor-inspired name of this trend? Okay, is this like that lamp from A Christmas Story? That's my hint. Wait, really? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm I've got nowhere from there. Make it into a verb. A lampshade? Oh, d- uh, to, to oh, lampshade, oh. lampshading. Lampshade! Wait, what? Wow! What? 
What? I That's so the most ridiculous thing I've I ever heard in my life. I didn't think anyone would get that. <laughs> Um, uh, wow. Yeah, that that tapped into my very, very, very tiny pool of cultural references. <laughs> Did you cheat? Did no. You, are you sure? I'm sure. Okay. Yeah, my hint was going to be think about the the thing, the leg thing in a Christmas story. I mean, that's the only, I was just like, what has a skinny little leg and a big thing on it? Exactly. I thought of that lamp. Now I'm just imagining you listening to like the U.S. Top 50. That's all Pulling I do. Because <laughs> three I was like, out of four. I have to write, you can tell what Kat wrote the trivia because it's all music if I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Well, everyone should listen to Little Nas X. True. I will consider that my homework for the week. Especially the babies born before I mean, because they're uninformed. Think about it. <laughs> think about it. Um, you guys <laughs> did so great at trivia. Wow. I thought that was going to be a real hard one. Katie, here. I'm impressed. Nice job. Not only are you That's on your so way hard. to being on every HRN show of all time, you also won trivia. Yes. Yeah, we got to get you on Japan Eats. That's, that's funny that there's a connection. Um, cool. Well, I think that's our show. That's our show. You want to say thanks to Matt in the booth? Making thanks, us sound great. Thank thanks, you. Matt, for hitting those trivia ding-dings. Got Helping em. us out. <laughs> um, thank you, Katie Parla, for coming and talking about your book. Finally, we're, we're glad we made it in the third leg of the tour. Thanks, Kat, Katie, and Lizzie. <laughs> it was awesome having you. Thank you. Um, you're welcome back anytime. As we tell anybody who's been on HR and Happy Hour, you can now be an official co-host of Happy Hour anytime you want. Sick. I'll bring you Buffalo Mots. Oh, you're <laughs> in. Yeah. You're hired. <laughs> also, if you need anyone to, you know, tag along with you and Lizzie through the islands, yeah. just let us know. Don't. I got you. We can podcast from anywhere. Perfect. We're ready. Yeah. Yep. Okay. We're going to be remote. <laughs> HR and Happy Hour. See you guys in 2020. Not live. From the islands of Italy. <laughs> Peace out. All right. Thanks, Katie. Thanks, Kat. We'll be back next week. See you then. HRN Happy Hour is powered by Simplecast. Simplecast is a popular hosting and analytics platform that allows podcasters to easily host and publish to apps like Apple Podcasts. If you have a podcast or are looking to create your very first, check it out. Try it for free and save half off your first three months at simplecast.com slash heritage. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.